first chapter. You probably still have your Bible marker there from the other Sundays in the month of January. Uh, we've started with this verse since the first Sunday in January. Lord willing, we'll uh, finish up today. And I don't have a lot of time for introduction this morning, but just to make mention that uh, at the, during the uh, December, uh, the holidays in December, I began to uh, read and study and talk and look at uh, Christmas and all the stories and everything around it. And I, I just, the thought came to me, well, why did he come? And I began to think, that, of course, we know that he came to save us from our sins. That was declared by the angels at first hand. Uh, but then as you begin to study in the scripture, there's many other reasons that he came. Some of them are identified here in Isaiah 61, prophesied in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New Testament, and even until today. And uh, so let's read just a couple of verses, and uh, this morning we'll look at the final installment on these four or five things uh, that's made mention of that Jesus would come to do, that little baby that came in the manger uh, to save us from our sins. There's some other things uh, that we need to um, give consideration. He didn't just come to, to, uh, to save us, but he also came to serve us and to help us. And so we need to be mindful of that. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. That'll be our subject this morning. And he also mentioned that he hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound. And so early in the month of January, we looked at one that's not made mention of here, but elsewhere in the scripture, that he gives sight to the blind. Went to the book of John in chapter number 9 and talked about the man that he gave sight to, that prophecy being fulfilled. Uh, and then we also not only did uh, we look at the giving uh, the blind receive their sight, but we looked at the, the how that he binds up the brokenhearted, uh, mentioned uh, in the scripture, binding up the brokenhearted. And then last week, uh, we spent a little time on the other part of the verse having to deal with of course, opening the prison doors. We looked at Acts chapter number 16 and that great story in the scripture, how that uh, the earthquake happened, the prison doors were opened, and the prisoners were set free, and how that he still does that, how that he still does that. And so he came to uh, redeem us, he came to rescue us, and he came to recover us. There's so many things that going on in your life today. Jesus is... I can't say that he's more than your Savior. That is accurate. But, uh, but I don't, I don't want to minimize the importance of being saved. But he came to help you all the way through your life. And he came to help you from day one until the day that you're called up to be with him. He wants to help you with stuff in your life and the things that you're going through. He didn't, if he was just going to save you to get you to heaven, he could have had the preacher to hold you under for about three minutes and accomplish that when he baptized you. And so it's more than that. And so this morning, uh, out of Isaiah, I want to I preach with this title in mind, out of verse number one, when it said that he, preached me, that he sent, anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He anointed me to preach good tidings. And so our thought today is very simply this. We have good news. Amen? We have good news. If you watched the news this morning, I don't know that you saw anything good. And if you watched it, well, for a pretty good while now, I'll just put it that way. You don't, you don't see a whole lot of good things that are going on. But I'll tell you something this morning. We have 
good news. We have good news. Look with me in the Gospel of Luke, and I had uh, several verses of, uh, to read here, but uh, we'll just limit it down in Luke chapter number 4, and in verse number 18, uh, we have in the New Testament of uh, this same verse, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, or he anointed me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted and preach deliverance to the captives, recovering the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, if you read about five verses before that and about five more verses after that, you get the whole picture of what's going on here. But, and I, I don't feel like I have to have 10 verses to prove a point. However, every single verse that we'll use this morning in our text, in our message, in our outline, have the word gospel in it. Now, the gospel, as you know, and as I know, or the little phrase, good tidings, sometime in the scripture, other times it's mentioned as glad tidings, those three terms, whether in the Greek or in the Hebrew, uh, some in, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word tidings is, and uh, then the good news of the gospel in the New Testament, and, uh, and, and it's very simply that. It's very simply that the gospel and glad tidings are mentioned over 100 times in the, in the word of God, both meaning good news or God's story. Good news or God's story. That's what they said it was going to be, good, good news, glad tidings to all upon the earth. And, um, and uh, in reality, if you look it up in the dictionary, it, it, it literally means God's narrative. Here's what God is talking about. Now, I know that in church we talk about a lot of things. And we share a lot of things. And we preach about a lot of things. And we sing and we teach about a lot of things. But just to give you a little indicator of what God is talking about, he's talking about the good news. And we need to talk more often uh, about this narrative that God is interested in. And it's the story of his son, Jesus Christ. The story of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, we have good news. Every once in a while you hear somebody say, well, you know, um, it, it, it might be, um, I heard the story one time about an air, airplane, uh, air, airplane pilot and he came on the intercom and he said in just a few short words, he said, ladies and gentlemen, I've got some bad news and I've got some good news. And so they were just sitting there waiting and he said, the bad news is that our airplane is going to run out of fuel and we're not going to make it to our destination. He said, but the good news is we're making really good time. <laughs> making really good time. The pastor stood before the congregation and he said, uh, he, uh, he, said that, uh, he, he said, I've got some good news this morning. And everybody was listening intently. And he said, the ladies softball team finally won their first softball game. But he said, the bad news is they beat the men's team. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and hey, here's, here's another one. The, uh, the pastor went home and told his wife, he said, honey, he said, I've got good news. He said that the, uh, that the church bought us tickets, airplane tickets, travel tickets to Israel. We're going to the Holy Land. He said the bad news is they bought them one way. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, we, have, you know, we know about the good news. But, you know, I have some good news, but there is some bad news this morning. Let me give you the bad news first. The bad news is 
that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there's none righteous, no, not one. And because of the sin of our great, 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 all the way back generations in time of our great grandfather Adam, because of his sin in the Garden of Eden, all are born in sin. That's the bad news, but I'll tell you the good news is this. 2,000 years ago, the Son of God was born in the flesh in this world. And uh, when he came, the good news was, was heralded all across the land that the Savior has come. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the good news outweighs the bad news. And if you'll come to Jesus Christ, you can be saved and have all of your sins forgiven for all eternity. And um, I'm about to get a... Uh, get away from a message this morning. Let me try to stay with it very quickly this morning uh, as our time escapes us. And so what is the good news? What is the good news? It is the story. It's God's narrative about his son, Jesus Christ. It deals with his birth. We know about that. We just celebrated at Christmas. It is a story about his infancy, a story about his childhood. A story about his anointing there in, what is it, Matthew 3, at the end of Matthew chapter number 3, when he's baptized in the River Jordan and the Holy Spirit as a dove comes and, uh, and sets upon him and the Father speaks out from heaven and he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. His anointing. Shortly after his anointing takes place, as he, be, as he grows up, his ministry begins to develop. And then at the end of his ministry, it is a narrative. This book is, the good news is that Jesus was born. And then he had a ministry in this world to the sick and the troubled and the downhearted and so on and so forth. And then it's a narrative about his ministry, a narrative about his crucifixion and, of course, his death. And the good news is about his resurrection, that he got up from the grave on the third day. And then some 40 days later, he ascended up into heaven. And part of the good news is still ringing out that one day he's coming again. It was in the Old Testament that the prophets were crying out, He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. Isaiah said it, Jeremiah said it, Ezekiel talked about it, but Malachi, he said that the, that the day star shall rise and then 400 years after his voice was hushed, John the Baptist walked out and stood in the river Jordan and looked up on the bank and said, There he is, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He said, uh, the the prophet said he's coming. John the Baptist said he's here. And then one day they went to his graveside and they looked at him as he'd hung upon the cross of Calvary. They're dying for the sins of the entire world. And they stood and they wept and they mourned. And the prophets had said he was coming. John said he's here. And now they're saying he's gone. He's gone. And for three days and three nights, 72 hours, he laid in that cold, dark grave. But then on the third, hallelujah, Sunday morning, and the resurrection time, Jesus, something began to quake around that, that tomb, and the stone rolled away, and Jesus got up out of the grave. And now, here the angels are, and they're all gathered around, and they're saying, he's back. 
He's back. He's here again. And only a few days later, they stood there at the mountain as he ascended up into heaven. And they said, this same Jesus that you see taken away from us today, he's coming again. And one day we'll finish that story. And he'll step out on the cloud. And the voice of the archangel and the trump of God shall sound. And the clouds will roll back. And we'll be raptured up to be with Jesus in the air forever and ever. That's God's story. The narrative. The gospel. The good news this morning. I tell you, we're living in a world, aren't we? That could use some good news, couldn't they? It seems like everywhere you go, everything you hear is on the down and out. And uh, it seemed like, you know, everything in, in every front that we see, it seemed like there's some, something bad going on all over the world. We're living in the last days, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, that clock is ticking. It is, click, it is ticking a second away at the time. And the next thing you know, it's going to reach the end of God's timetable. And time is going to be at hand. And Jesus is coming again. And we're living at that moment in time. We're living in that moment in time. But there's good news. I have good news. We have good news this morning. Well, Pastor Ward, uh, give us some examples. Of it. I'm glad you asked the question this morning, class. I'll be glad to give you a few examples of it. I want to say in the first place, the gospel is good news because. The gospel is good news because, number one, it is because it is glorious in its content. Now, we're just going to use some Bible verses this morning. You won't be able to go away and say, oh, I'm not sure I agree. If you don't agree with me this morning when you walk away, you're going to be disagreeing with God and His Word because that's all I have to give you this morning. I don't have a bunch of filler and... and uh, uh, you know, a bunch of rhetoric and fancy outlines and all those kind of things, alliteration and all that kind of stuff, a bunch of rhythm and rhyme. I don't have any of that. I just want to give you some Bible on this matter of the good news. Jesus came that the blind might receive their sight. Jesus came that the brokenhearted might be bound up. Jesus came that those that are in prison not down here at Lowndes County Jail or over at the state prison uh, off of uh, uh, Highway 94, but those that have a prison in them and they're living in a prison. I'm talking about the drug addicts and I'm, I'm talking about the, the alcoholics and I'm talking about those that are, that are driven by a thousand different vices in this world. God came to set them free. And then Jesus came as that little baby in the manger when he came and they made the, the announcement that, that there's good tidings, that there's some good news. And that good news now has been ringing out the glorious gospel of Christ. First Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 11 had these words, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust, to our trust. And so first of all, I want to say that it's glorious in its content. The, the news that we have. The Bible said this. Number one, I want to give you this. I want to say this to you. Here it is now. Uh, it brings peace. Remember that? Remember that? Peace on earth and goodwill to men. It brings peace. Now, it might not, uh, and it could, if, if the world would, would come to Jesus, 
We wouldn't have to about war about wars and all those kind of things. And uh, the, the world outside of Christ, they're enemies. They're enemies to one another. They're enemies to God. They're enemies to the church. They're enemies to his word. But, um, but it brings a peace. There's a deep, settled peace. In every, and, and, I, and I said this first because I honestly believe, and, and I can't validate this in the scripture, that one of the, one of the most pr pronounced characteristics of being born again is having peace. Having peace. Most of the people that I deal with that they're not sure about their salvation, they have doubt and they worry about it. And they, they're not sure they said the right thing. They're not, they're not sure they prayed or they, they're not sure that they were, maybe they were too young or God wasn't dealing with them or maybe they just came because others were coming and they, they have this constant doubt year after year in every revival meeting. They feel a need to get saved again and then when a preacher preaches like he's preaching this morning, they feel like they need to get saved again and they they. They have doubt and they don't have any assurance and they're generally people who do not have peace. It is the peace of God that we have when we get saved. Therefore being justified by faith. I'm not going to just throw something at you. Therefore being justified by faith. We have a home in heaven what he said. We do. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. I told you about the young lady that was raised in our church and of sickness and in the hospital in, in Macon and she, we were there and she summons me to come in and send, send everybody outside the room. And I was standing at the end of her bed and at the end of her bed, looking up to her, and she looked at me and she said, Pastor Ward, I've been raised in church. I know the Bible verses. I know everything the Bible has to say about it. I can quote the Romans road. I can do all these things. But she said, there's one thing missing. I don't have peace. Don't have peace. Number one, it brings peace. Now, here's what the Bible said about it. He said in... Um, in um, that it brings peace in Romans 10, 15. How beautiful are the feet of them. I'm not going to pull my shoes off. Of them that preach the gospel. Look at this. The gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. You know what God wants you to have? He wants you to have peace. The peace of God. Peace with God. Peace in this world. The gospel is good news. I have good news this morning. The gospel is good news because of its glorious content. Number one, it brings peace. Number two, it offers hope. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 23. If you continue in faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. You need to write this down which ye have heard, which was preached uh, to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Number one, it brings peace. Number two, it offers hope. It offers hope. In any direction that you go from this church, you're going you're to find people that they don't have any hope. You'd probably have to 
throw a rock two or three times to reach the first house in any direction. But somewhere down this way or this way or somewhere, not a lot of population over that way, but here behind us, you'd not have to go very far to knock on the door and find somebody that just doesn't have hope. I like what Job said about it. He said, there is hope. <laughs> Amen. It might not look like it. It might not feel like it. It might not seem that way, but there's hope for the child of God. But no one else. But no one else. It's glorious in its content in that it offers peace. It brings peace. It offers hope. And then finally, it is everlasting. Revelation 14, 6. He said, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel, the everlasting gospel to preach over a hundred times in the scripture, to preach to them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Number two, number two, and I'll have three thoughts this morning. Not only is it glorious in its content, but the Lord let me see that it's dynamic in its presentation. I don't have the power to get anybody saved. I don't have, I don't have the, the wherewithal and the potential. I know people who can preach and draw everybody to the altar. I've never had that ability. I remember one year, many, many years ago, we had Dr. Hyman Appleman. He was a white-born white Russian Jew, spoke fluently and wrote in eight different languages. And uh, he was, uh, spent his lifetime evangelizing the world and he came and preached at our church and he preached a little 20 minute sermon and he'd ask the pianist to come up and the song leader to come up and it filled the building because he was so well known at that time this is back in the 80s many of you don't even know who he was and uh, one in one service 27 people walked the aisle he said on Friday night I'm going to preach on the second coming he stood up and preached not anything I haven't preached, not anything that Brother Montgomery hasn't preached or any of you other preachers or Pastor Allen or anyone else. He preached a 20-minute sermon, and I'm thinking, this is like Sunday school. But 27 people got up and gave their life to Christ that night. You know what that is? It's the power of the gospel. It's not in the man. It's not in the presentation. Uh, it, it's not in, in our message, but it is the gospel that has the power. Let me show you. It is dynamic in its presentation. Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is powerful in its capacity. Number one, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, and I'll read these and we'll be done. For our gospel came not unto you in word only. It wasn't just what the preacher had to say. It wasn't just what you saw on the screen. It wasn't just the, the rhyme and it wasn't just the points and the outline, but, it, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you. I'm not going to take time to go to these verses, but in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, he said, uh, he talks about the gospel, how he said that, he, that he'd preached the gospel, and uh, uh, the death, and the burial, and the resurrection, and he talked about the witnesses, and so on and so forth, but it's comprehensive in its scope. And he gives very detailed 
message there in four or five verses about this gospel of Jesus Christ and uh, how that he had preached this gospel and how that souls had been saved and there were witnesses to that. Let me give you the third thing. The dynamic, it is dynamic in its presentation, its power and capacity, its its, uh, comprehensive in scope and it's exhaustive in its truth. Ephesians 1.13 And whom ye also, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. It's exhaustive in its truth. It's not exhausting, it's exhaustive. And, and every little detail is covered. Everything about the gospel. God is that way in everything. He's that way in his creation and in his salvation. Every T has been crossed and every I has been dotted. The punctuations are perfect and accurate. The proper verbs and nouns and everything is used and everything is exact. And, and it's from A to Z and all the way through the number system. When he does it, he does it and it's done perfect. It's comprehensive in it. There's nothing you can add to the gospel. It doesn't need any support. It doesn't need your validation. Our, our belief in it doesn't make it any more real except to us. It is, it, in any way that I could describe it this morning, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you could never add anything to it And you can certainly not take anything away from it. It's a glorious gospel. It's a dynamic gospel. It is the power of God. And then I want to close with this because it's so important. Number three, it is encompassing in its reach. I still believe it's all. I still believe it's everyone. That doesn't make it right because I believe it, but that's what the Bible teaches. And uh, that, uh, that all who have sinned can also be saved. He didn't just say, like, hmm. I'll get off, I'll get off message here, sure as the world, but, but uh, he didn't say that some have sinned and some have not sinned. And neither did he say some can be saved and some cannot be saved. Hello. Hello. But it's whosoever will. It's encompassing in its reach. It goes into every neighborhood where it's carried. It goes into every home where it's delivered. And every nation. And it's for every person, every creed, every every dialect, every language. It is for for every single person that is born in this world. The gospel is. It's encompassing in its reach. There's nowhere that it will not work. There's, you cannot witness to the wrong person. I could get up our stop sign barriers and put them out in the highway and start stopping traffic and we could stand there with gospel tracks and we could put them in the automobiles whether they're from Florida or Alabama or South Carolina and uh, they're, or wherever they're heading across the state, north, south, east and west and we could drop one of these gospel tracks in the car and we'd never put it in the wrong car. Not one time. Not in a hundred years. It's, it's encompassing. It just kind of fills the room. 
But it doesn't just fill the room, it fills the community. It fills the state. And it fills the nation. And it's not bound by the seas. It goes on to the continents. Say, so you're kind of stretching it a little bit, aren't you? I'm not stretching it as far as it really is. Let me give you these verses. It is revealing in its preaching. 1 Corinthians 1.17. Well, I didn't read our verse. Um, Matthew 11.5, I'm sorry. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. Brother Wayne taught on those in Sunday school. And the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. It is revealing in its preaching. It is revealing in preaching. 1 Corinthians 1.7, Christ sent me not to baptize. What about that? Somebody want to explain that to me? Christ sent me not to baptize. We have, we have denominations that are fully built on the matter of water baptism. But here's probably the greatest gospel witness outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I can't remember a whole lot of people I baptized. Maybe one or two. He didn't send me to baptize. Everybody that's saved ought to be baptized. But he said that he sent me. Notice what he said. To preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, Lord help us, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. There's preaching on, in every one of these verses. A lot of preaching. Number two, it's, it's confident in its truth. Colossians 1.5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before the truth of the gospel. No question about it. And then finally, it's sanctioned in its commission in Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, go into all the world. Go ye into all the world. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to the elect, the chosen, but he said every creature, every creature, every creature. Doesn't matter if they live in a mud hut, in a straw hut, in an igloo. Doesn't matter if it's in the Amazon region or in the Australian outback. Doesn't matter what part of Africa or India or where they might be. Doesn't matter if it's in Lowndes County or Clotville or Eccles County in Statenville. He said, preach the gospel to every creature. Oh, but you know, pastor, there's, you know, there, there's these, these people who, you know, they just, and, and it's, getting, it's getting extremely rampant in our Baptist churches. And it's cold-hearted, it's, it's cruel to go into a neighborhood that's already filled with poverty. Little children running around with no shoes on in the cold. And to even indicate to them that Jesus might not have loved you enough to die for you. It's one of the this. Calvinism is one of the most cruel. It's not even a doctrine. And it's, 
doctrine is something that's taught. It's not even teachable if you have a Bible in your hand. I have these, um, he said, go preach it to every creature. I'm just going to do what Jesus said. I ain't going to do what the Baptist said to do. I'm going to do what Jesus said. I have 50 Bible verses here. I used to debate with those characters, but it became a waste of time. And so now if somebody comes to me and I give them, I said, if you'll go home and take these and, and write an answer to these 50 Bible verses for me, I don't tell them I'll talk with them then. I tell them I got 50 more. I got 50. This is just 50. And I highlighted the words like whosoever and whosoever. And whosoever, there's about 25 of those. And whosoever, all the way down to, ver to 21, number 21. And then I start with all. Come to me, come unto me, all you that labor. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world. There's about a dozen of those. And then if, if you know, if that's not enough to explain, just to explain those, explain the first one to me. If he didn't mean all, why did he say all? If he didn't mean every creature, why did he say every creature? If God doesn't tell the truth all the time, how do we know he's telling truth any of the time? If these verses aren't 100% accurate, how do we know John 3.16 could be trusted? I just trust the whole Bible. And then once you've, you've exhausted the whosoever and, uh, and the all, then I drop down and I start on verses like everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's all encompassing. And, uh, and it just goes on and on and on. And there's, there's some fit. And then he talks about all men. And then sometimes he says every man. Oh, yes. The good news is that he, he died for everyone. That he died for everyone. If you're here this morning and you don't know him as your Savior, that little baby that was born in a manger four weeks ago that we celebrated it. He gave sight to the blind. He bound up the brokenhearted. He loosened the prisoners. And he brought the good news. We have good news. Tell the world about it. Tell your friends about it. Or invite them here and I'll tell them. We'll tell them in Sunday school. We'll even tell them in impact basketball. Stand with us for prayer. Father, thank you for your.